Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Hey, good morning, everybody. Yes, it does mean an all on an all on assault with all of our players. Ha! Ah, that's a little bit of a little bit of alliteration. Gosh, even saying a little bit of alliteration is a little bit of alliteration. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a palindrome inside of alliter- alliteration. I don't know. Hey, guys, happy Friday. We hope everybody had a good uh, week and Valentine's uh, Wednesday and all that good stuff. And um, you know, one, once again, we've made it through another great week, and I'm. Always thankful, and shout out to my man Henry, who's right here, my road dog. And um, I want to tell you guys, I mean, this, just looking at some of the the topical issues that are happening locally. I mean, one of the things that's kind of, you know, I'm not a um, a big big hockey fan, but I appreciate the sport and the, the excellence that goes behind it. But uh, Connor Bedard is back, and uh, that's ahead of schedule, according to what I read, and. Um, uh, I guess he played last night against the Penguins. Um, he had suffered a broken jaw back in January, and he's going to be back in the mix. Uh, so that's exciting to hear. Um, but as always, uh, sports in Chicago is a big deal. Uh, the White Sox are getting underway, um, uh, or have gotten underway with spring training. And uh, whether you're a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, uh, if you're a baseball fan, it's nice to have two city, two teams in our in our great city, and uh, look forward to having a good um, spring and summer with baseball. But uh, yeah, the the Sox are are back in training camp out in uh, Glendale, Arizona, and um, look to have a good a good solid season. So I'm hoping that uh, the Sox stay where they are in terms of the stadium. I don't want them to move, um, uh, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. But um, <clears throat> the number, and I'm going to slow this down for uh, one of our listeners who said, Richard, say the number more often and say it a little bit more slowly. So the number here, of course, is 773-763-9278. And uh, we'd love to hear from you this Friday. There's a lot of things that are going on, and we're going to talk to... Um, the uh, great Natalie Ziemba, she'll be calling in um, in the second half hour today. Uh, and if, as you guys remember, last year she ran successfully to win the um, one of the uh, city council seats in Woodstock. So we're super happy for her and uh, glad we were able to lend our voice in support of her effort. And she won and is doing great things. And she'll be with us in the second hour, second half hour, to talk about. Um, uh, what's happening up there and what she's been doing and some of her accomplishments. And she's got some other great um, organizations that she's a part of that you may have heard before on this station, but we'll definitely have a chance to let her lean in and talk about that. Um, <clears throat> today is a, is a uh, I guess you could say it's a blessed day. Um, shout out to my family and in-laws. Today is my mo- mother-in-law's service, and I want to send a shout out to uh, to all of my family and my, my in-laws and uh, just a lot of love and support uh, from the progressive group that supports all of our families. So, um, gosh, Henry, you know, and, I, and I've never asked you this question, but of the sports, as he takes a sip of his wonderful coffee, um, what are your what sports are you a fan of? I mean, we know you you know we know you're pulling for the for Kansas City, absolutely. But what are your sports? Um, 
I, I played the most basketball in school, so that's okay. probably the one I have the most connection to. You guys don't realize Henry's six three, so you know he's <laughs> he's, he's got that height. So uh, he looks in, in the morning. He, he tries to be nice and respectful about it because I'm older than he is, but he's <laughs> he's a little bit taller than I am, so he tries not to look down at me in the morning. But he, he does kind of give me that 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 look like, yeah, okay, I got you by a little bit, old dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, nah, Henry's my man. Um, so. Uh, do you check out? Do you get? Do you get to go, or did you go to any baseball games last year, or is that part of your your world or no? Uh, a little bit. Uh, me and my friends will sometimes like go to a game. Uh, it's just it's a fun event, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Drink some beer, have some fun. There it the is. It's right around the corner. Spring training, and you know, I guess it's uh, you know, America's pastime is going to do its thing once again. So it's exciting. But um, we we're going to lean into a clip that I wanted you guys to hear this morning. That um, it's kind of a it's. It, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to this clip as it's something. To, relating to how we can do a better job of organizing. And it's uh, it's also a little bit of a tip of the hat uh, with this being Black History Month. And uh, it's from a uh, journalist and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call him a progressive voice, uh, Roland Martin. So Henry's going to play that for us. So we have to now use our groups. MLK said this in his book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos Whole Community? He said there are four institutions that are positioned to liberate black America. The Negro church, the Negro press, the Negro fraternities and sororities, Negro professional and business organizations. We got black infrastructure, bro. We've got Divine Nine. We've got Masons, Eastern Star. We've got uh, the links. We've got church groups. We've got, we've got all this infrastructure, but how are we using it? How are we mobilizing and organizing to change something? I've given speeches across the country and I've said this here. Take, let's take Divine Nine, Prince Hall Masons, Eastern Star, and Lynx. That's 12 organizations. What have those 12 said? Okay, this month, we gonna go to the council meeting. Y'all go to the school board meeting. We go to the county commissioners meeting. Then next month, a different group. See, we're not using our capacity. The person who's sitting out there, understand, you're a constituent. If you voted for somebody for Congress, let's say that Democrat, and the Republican won, you are still a constituent. You still should be calling them. You still should be emailing them. You still should be telling your neighbors. No, 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 no. Hit them on the phone because we are still constituents. When we check out of the process, it's easy to ignore us. But it's hard to ignore folk when they're on your behind every week. And it couldn't have been said any better by Roland Martin. And you guys should check out his, uh, his, his show, his broadcast, his work. He is, he's leaning in all the time. The brother hasn't tipped over. I'm surprised he hasn't tipped over as much as he's leaning in to the conversations that we all need to be having. So the last couple of sentences there are universal. Uh, he's an African American, uh, journalist and broadcaster and leader. But the last couple sentences are universal to all groups and it's universal to all of the things that we should be doing. Yes, we have the things that we have to navigate in our lives in terms of work, in terms of our businesses, our family, um, on and on and on. I get that. But we don't have, as I say often and will continue to say, we do not have the luxury to sit back. And when Roland said, you know, he, he listed these four groups. Um, and there are many others that are in the African-American community that speak to um, issues that are for, for not just the African-American community, for, but for all of our communities, the LGBTQ community, the rural white, the suburban white. 
the Asian community, Hispanic community, and the list goes on. What he's talking about there is we forget sometimes the power we have from an organizing standpoint. We've always had that power as progressives. We've always had that power in our um, um, our other communities. And I don't like to use the word minority anymore, but in our other communities, because that's how we've been able to progress. So what I want to pull from that with what what Roland was talking about is let's just take those those four uh, let's just take the Divine Nine, which is the, uh, the, the, the label that the African-American um, sororities and fraternities have had or, or kind of self-labeled as, a, as a, the nine um, leading uh, fraternities and sororities at HBCUs and, 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 and uh, throughout the country. So they're a strong, strong, strong organization. And you may, may have seen some of, some of you guys may have never known about them until um, Senator turned vice president candidate Harris um, ran. And then you, you saw the power of the sororities and the fraternities in the African-American community. And they helped push her uh, up and through into winning, um, helping uh, Joe Biden win. The reason that that's important is the organizing power of those groups is unmatched, in my opinion, based on what I've seen, not just my opinion, actually. So we have to collectively, if we broaden that energy to all of our other groups that we have in the progressive movement, that's how we're able to take advantage and win these purple races. I think that, as, as he just said, you know, one group's going to go here. And, and, I, and I believe me, guys, I can picture uh, when I was younger watching my parents and members of my family who were deeply involved in politics here in Chicago. If you look that up, you'll see. I can remember folks sitting in the dining room in my, in my parents' home and my uncle's home, putting together meetings to organize to go out to knock on doors. I can remember those days. I was a kid watching them come together, sitting around the table, planning where they were going to go, who they were going to talk to. I remember the church and its involvement. And the list goes on. So my point is, we have to do. We have to take that energy and broaden it to all of our communities. Like I said before, uh, our Asian community, our Hispanic community, our LGBTQ community, our suburban and rural white communities that are so important in this. In this, for lack of better words, the struggle, but in a positive light, in this opportunity to move this thing forward. This thing being um, our upcoming election. And I was going to talk about this in the second hour, and, and I, I'm going to hit a break. But when we come back, there's a couple of other things I want to lean into in terms of um, what Roland Martin was talking about. So the number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter morning sports fans and kids and fun people and all that good stuff. We are happy Friday here. Um, so I was talking a little bit about uh, Roland Martin's clip about organizing and it for me it leans into a little bit the conversation around winning races in other states, per, the purple plan as I call it. And I'm going to talk about that um, real briefly because I want you guys to understand something as it relates to what we've got to do. So I've said on a number of occasions that it's not just winning the white house, which we have to do, but it's also winning this, the other races in Congress as it relates to flipping the house 
back to Democratic control. We had a great week so far with uh, Tom Swasey winning that New York District 3, and he won it well. And um, we did pick up a couple of House seats in state legislatures uh, in Pennsylvania. But one of the things that, that, that came up on one of my feeds yesterday, and I got to do a little bit more research this weekend so I can talk more about this next week, but I wanted just to point this out as it relates to the Purple Plan on a federal level. And as you guys know, out in Arizona, there is a, a Senate race. So Mark Kelly is going to, uh, his, his, his seat's not one that's uh, competitive this, this particular cycle. But that of Kirsten Cinema is. And as you guys know, she decided to lean in the direction of being an independent and no longer saying that, you know, outwardly she's a Democrat because she's got issues with the Democratic Party. I understand that's her call. But what's um, happening in Arizona is the woman who ran for governor, Carrie Lake, from what I saw, and again, I, I'm, I have to give a certain amount of pause on polls, depending, again, on who was polled, how they were polled, who delivers the information, and who's a recipient of the information. But that being said, um, uh, Carrie Lake is running for the Senate seat that uh, Kirsten Sinema is in as a Democrat slash independent. Carrie Lake's running as a Republican. The other candidate that's running as a Democrat is Ruben Gallegos. And I saw that Carrie Lake has a slight lead right now in that race, a three or four point lead. I could be off in that, and I know that um, um, that um, I'll, I'll try to get the accuracy on that by the beginning of next week. But that being said, let's say that Carrie Lake is leading Ruben Gallegos right now. Um, the purple plan is all about us making sure that Ruben Gallegos has a support that he needs to win that race. Now, granted, um, if it's a three-person race, the, the incumbent's ticket, and I'm sorry, the incumbent's vote will be split. That's how, it, that just mathematically, that's how it's worked for, for years. And Cinema uh, is the incumbent. So part of her votes are going to go in potentially in two di- three different directions, some to her, some to Gallegos, and some to Carrie Lake. It's just how it works, unfortunately. But what we have to make sure of is that we provide the support for him, meaning Ruben Gallegos, that he needs to win this race. That sentence cannot go to Carrie Lake. Uh, it cannot go to Carrie Lake because it, this is the primary reason why it's she doesn't know how to govern. Okay, we have enough Republicans in in Congress right now that don't know how to govern. They know how to use the B word and complain and whine a lot, but they don't know how to govern. And if you want to test me on that or test the results, just look at what happened last week on the vote for the border. Just look at what happened. And and we can talk both Senate and House Republicans don't know how to govern because look at what happened last week with the vote um, for budget. Uh, for the border, for Ukraine, for Israel, Israel and, and the Middle East and Palestine. They, they couldn't get it done, and they can't get it done. They don't get it done. It happens with all these votes. So I really want you guys to pay attention to that race in Arizona. It is a critical race because she can't, meaning Carrie Lake, govern. Uh, Kirsten Cinema is just, you know, she needs to go. And we need to do everything we can from this blue state, from this blue city, from this blue message to help Ruben Gallegos win that race. So now this is where I, where I say the rubber meets the road as it relates to, uh, to us as progressives. Are we going to sit back 
and just whine about it and complain about it? Or are we going to do what we have to do to help him win that race? And, I, and you all know the answer to that is the latter. We've got to lean into this race. We've got to organize. We've got to use what Roland Martin said as it relates to groups and pulling together all of our groups. So um, my uh, by Monday, I'll have information on how to support uh, the campaign of Ruben Gallegos and have um, you uh, be able to, to put some things on the air or talk about some things on the air. Uh, in terms of how to help him. You can go to his website and uh, find that out for yourself. But just in case you don't, I will have some things early next week. Uh, I think that it's important that we put that, um, that we put that effort behind him. And so what I'm saying about uh, this race is just kind of going back to what I've talked about with regard to my purple plan. So Ruben, Ruben Gallegos for Senator in, uh, in Arizona. That's, that's my, uh, that's my, my warning warm up for you guys. Now, um, kind of shifting gears a little bit on another issue that's important. And I know you guys have seen it. Uh, it's kind of hard not to, to see it or be aware of it in the last 24 hours. And that's what's happening with the, uh, the, um, the, the Madam, uh, Fannie Willis, DA and Fannie Willis down in, uh, Atlanta. Uh, sorry guys, I looked away from, I looked at the screen for a second and I got a little distracted. I apologize for that. Fannie Willis is, um, for lack of better words, as she put it, not on trial. So for those of you who have been paying attention to this, she's not on trial. The people who tried to steal the election, to paraphrase her words, are the ones that are on trial. But let's kind of back up from from that a little bit, and um, you know we could dissect the um, the testimony and the witness statements and all that all we want to. But at the end of the day, as I said yesterday, and I will say again and again, if you want to say that she was, I mean, I'm not even going to use the words reckless to say that she. Uh, what she did with the gentleman um, that she had the, the relationship with is a grown woman, just like anybody else. As long as she's not committing a, a, an act of adultery, which it doesn't seem as though she did, um, then we have to lean into the fact that she's a grown woman and can do that without you know any any sort of uh, retribution. This is the, the the funny thing about it is. The the people that have brought this case and brought this this I guess you can call it a case um, to the the court system down there are the ones that are actually defending the people who are on trial for trying to steal an election. They're 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 not ones that were that 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 uh, they really don't even have any standing. Candidly, as everything that I've read shows. They don't have any standing because their uh, their recourse for her actions aren't. Go- there's nothing that they're going to benefit from other than having her kicked off the case. Now that's a huge benefit because, as we said yesterday, the way that the the Atlanta system or the, I'm sorry, the Georgia system and inside of Fulton County works, that case. Uh, if she's taken off the case and her whole team's taken off the case, which then means it goes to a special group that then makes a determination who's the next um, prosecutor that's going to handle it. And we know that, as I said yesterday to Henry, that those there are cases that they've got that have been sitting for two years that haven't been reassigned. So Fannie Willis is a grown-ass woman. Uh, she's entitled or allowed to have a relationship um, with whomever she chooses to have a relationship with. And on top of that, she didn't do anything wrong based on the testimony. Um, 
And if you listen to what she described, because, you know, they were getting into this whole thing about cash. Um, and and the part that, that I found just horrible is that, you know, her something, her safety was put at, at greater risk yesterday. Because as I, I, I just kind of, you know, looked at this and said, now somebody knows, not just somebody, the world knows that this woman keeps cash in her house. She keeps cash where she rests her head. I know a lot of people that do that. And I and and I'm not I'm not making a comparison, but I'm making a, a, a part of understanding. That was one of the things that that uh, Senator Menendez used as a justification for all the stuff that he had in his house. I'm not willing to buy that in its entirety, but I can tell you this: I know a bunch of people, and particularly folks that are African American and people of the Hispanic community, and I, I just. I know a number of people of different communities. I, I know some of my, my, my Caucasian friends that keep cash in the house. I have a good buddy that lives out in Schaumburg. He keeps cash in the house. He's got to say, I know a bunch of people that keep cash where they go. They have cash with them. And it's because of a couple of things. They, um, and they're not all 70-year-old people. A lot of these folks that I'm talking about are in their 40s and 50s. And, you know, like me, in our 60s. So to criticize her for to try to, to try to make an issue out of that, is, I think is just is weak. But I, my point of it is the fact that she's now said that under uh, oath that she keeps cash on her and with her where she sleeps or where she rests her head. I think is the word she wording she used. And that puts her at risk because now some knucklehead is going to think that oh she's got cash in her house. I don't know. I just found it. I found the whole thing, um, a, you know, a dog and pony show. But what I was happy about and proud of, and I, th- this is a shout out to all the strong women that I know and love and respect professionally and personally, she stood her ground. And I saw the after analysis that said she came in a little bit hot and she was a little, you know, didn't have on her prosecutorial um, um, uh, strength that she normally would have. But what I found is she got her, she, she got her footing. Um, and as soon as she got her footing, that's when they, what, what, what happened once she got her footing no matter what you think about the fact that she had this relationship and the timing of it and where they went and how they split the bill and all that, the minute she got her footing, what, what the, the folks that brought this case, if you will, to light, what they feared started to happen. And that was they pissed off a black, a strong, smart, well-educated Howard University black woman. That's what they got. The minute she got her footing, that's what they got. And when she set the record straight with the the one woman um, uh, that you're, you're trying to make it this, but I'm not the one on trial. You're trying to make it this, but I'm not the one that, that, that tried to steal an election. Uh, that's when they started to, to, uh, to, to stutter and started to not be as fluid as they thought they were going to be. And I think actually was as I was watching a little bit, of, I think that's when the judge kind of leaned in her direction because I noticed how he started to slow down. I'm going to call it the prosecution and the defense because there's no other way to, 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 to lay this out. That's when, um, or the plaintiff in this case, I guess, um, that's when the judge actually sort of changed his tenor a little bit. He started looking at this like, okay, um, I, that's probably what I might do. You could see it just in the way he, his body language changed and the way he was pushing back with some of the things that they were trying to say and go back and ask, ask other questions. 
So my point of all this is, um, first of all, I think it's I think it's a waste of time. It's a dog and pony show, um, and I think there's going to be more of her now that she's had a chance to assess and get you know counsel from those around her. Today will be very interesting because I think today, because uh, they're not going to bring any additional new information, the judge kind of shut that down yesterday. Um, but ultimately, if we can have a dude that gets to the White House, i.e. 45, with all the, quote, sexual stuff that he did, and he can get to the highest office in the land, and some of the things that he did, he's now being prosecuted on. Oh, and by the way, hey, Donald, guess what? You're going to go to trial next month, starting March 25th. So get ready, big boy, because uh, uh, New York, uh, New York's coming. Alvin Bragg is not playing around. And now that the judge has basically said, nope, that's not a thing that, that Trump can stall on and try to get to the, to the, you know, to, to the next highest court. He's got to stand and deliver. So the same thing that you're being tried on, that you're going to probably be convicted on, um, based on everything I'm reading, is not the same thing that Fonnie Willis is, is um, being accused of doing. She was doing her job and she was living her life. And she didn't break any laws. And judge, I think, started to see that once she got her footing. So there, yes, I leaned into it because I was prepared to talk about it. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey guys, so as I've said before, the fun is during the break when Henry and I are, are, are throwing the throwing the flames at each other about craziness. So one more thing about uh, uh, D.A. Willis. Um, let me just say this. I, Henry and I were saying, yeah, like if we were hanging out, we went out for drinks or whatever, and we get ready to pay the bill, uh, one of us may throw down a card, one of, us, one of us may throw down cash, and we may not account for it necessarily. And I'll cite you an example. Um, my wife and I have a very dear friend, uh, and if she's listening, she knows who she is, <laughs> that many times, I can't think of a time that we've gone out to dinner where a, a group of us or the three of us have gone out to dinner that she hasn't used cash to pay for the, her portion of the meal. And it's, it's, it's hilarious because when we're doing the calculation of the bill, if you, know, you know how that is. If you don't have the exact dollar amount to, to, to equate the tip, yeah. then you're like, everybody's trying to find a few extra dollars and get the server to bring it. So the point is, what, what um, Fonnie, Fonnie Willis said she had done with those meals is nothing uncommon. And I just, this just happened last weekend. So anyhow, I'm just I'm, I'm tired of the craziness and the dodging that they're trying to do with this. So in any event, I'll just I'll leave it there. Um, we are going to we've got Natalie uh, calling in in a bit, so I don't want to get too far off uh, a field. Um, let's really quickly go to Diane. Diane, good morning. Thanks for calling. Choose views. What's going on? Good morning. Um, you asked me to explain how I think, and I can't because I don't have the words. I think I extrapolate, but that means unknown. Okay. If, okay. You don't have to worry about Arizona because they know Carrie Lake's an idiot. Okay? <laughs> Diane, I and love you this morning for what, bringing that, that, that what, bit of joy. And 
I, I listen to this radio station all the time, and you have to find out the things that aren't being said. If you want to go about Arizona, which is, to me, a waste of time, read the Copper Cur- Courier, Independent News. Okay, words mean something, and you don't have enough money to speak. What I would really like you to do Okay, Black History Month. Do you know what the lost cause is? In in terms of Black History Month? Or yeah. Wanna, well, yeah. Expl- go ahead and explain it. Um, you have to read it because I don't have all the words. It's it's basically how Uh, The way I can explain it, when I was in seventh grade, we had um, a person come from Texas. I'm old and white and remember things, and history counts, and it repeats itself. That's the only way I can explain it. O'Hare Field used to be an Air Force base. She was military. She came from Texas. We're studying the Civil War, and she's in the back of the room crying. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the South didn't lose the Civil War. They just ran out of men. Okay. Well, I'm going to press pause there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm okay, going to, but wait. Uh, no, no, look, no, 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 Diane, Diane, I'm going to press pause there because um, I, I have to ask a question just to, make, to be clear. Are, are you saying in terms of the lost cause, which is a yeah, kind of, a, a kind of a, an explanation or a rendering of the 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 South not okay. losing the Civil War. No, whitewashing it. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say that's what it was. It was whitewashing the Civil War and, and the, okay. the and misinterpretations by people about who won the Civil War and or why the Civil War. No, actually ended. no, no, no. Where did we get cops from? Because they were, I can't remember, they were the people who chased... It was was Yeah, thank you. That's the right word. Okay. So, all right. And then talk what... You don't have a voice because you don't have enough money. And if Biden tells you what he's... Biden told you what he's doing, but the news isn't printing it. And words matter, and I don't have them. Al Franken does, and he's in town right now. You need him. He he idolizes Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce is bad because he said words, whatever. But to get back, is but when the whole conversation about Biden being demented. Okay. You with me? Okay. What word wasn't used? Okay, young is better because whatever. They're not. You have to be wise. That's the other word. Well, you have to think of the other side. Right now. And, you don't and, have to. Right now. And that, Diane, thanks for calling this morning. Um, we had um, one of the things that I've been trying to say, I think I've done a reasonable job of it, is talk about President Biden's age as less about being 81 and more about the wisdom. And to Diane's point, it is, that's really what we want to lean into is the wisdom. Um, and I don't know, but I, based on what we've seen, I don't see any wisdom coming from Donald Trump. So if we were just to look at, you know, the age and say that they're three years, three and a half years apart from each other. Okay. You would think that by 77 ish that Donald Trump would have acquired some wisdom 
and he would be sharing it with us. So let's just stick to that, which what Diane said. Let's just stick to wisdom. If that's the case, uh, and they both are a little rocky and unsteady every now and again, and admittedly, uh, President Biden is, but the wisdom that comes out of him is powerful. And we're going we're gonna to hit that on the second hour when I, uh, when I do my Biden campaign speech. Um, but we're going to talk about that. And, and Diane makes a good point. Yeah, a lot of times we don't have all the right words to describe what's, some, what's a- actually happening with, with the president. But that's our job. To f- it's our job to find them, in my opinion. So, um, you know, you, you hear it. You hear it here. Uh, we're going to lean into these to these conversations. Um, I know that we've got. Uh, I don't want to blow past uh, where we are timing wise. So, um, let's uh, really quickly grab uh, Dave calling about Arizona. Dave, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, Richard. Hey, hey. I'm not. Mentioning about what Arizona, how screwy they are. Uh, don't forget that this uh, QAnon shaman, Jacob Chansley, he put in paperwork for to run for Congress over in uh, Arizona. Yeah. No, I know. We got it, it's it, that the, the Arizona race is. I, I don't agree with with uh, uh, with Diane on that part of what she said about the Arizona race. Um, yeah, I, I agree with her what she said about Carrie Lake. Let me back up. I agree with what she said about Carrie Lake, but I don't agree that that race is one that we can sleep on and we shouldn't put uh, energy toward. We, I, I think, if we're being serious and honest about what we're doing, we have to put um, energy into that race. Uh, those races, um, we can't. Listen, guys, we can't sleep on any race in the House and the Senate. Period. That's the Purple Plan. In those in those you know, states that are going to be critical, they're all critical. But the ones that are going to be the tipping point states, we can't sleep on any of those races. Yeah. Hey, let me jump off with this. You see me breaking news where Alexander Navalny died. Yeah, I, I, I got a I got a, a Texas mess, a text message this morning from that, and I, and uh, the first thing I thought uh, this is awful, but the first thing I thought is, did he die from falling out of a window? But he didn't. But in any event, yeah, I mean. Yeah, he was way up in that uh, prison up in Siberia. Yeah, that, uh, I know, I know. And, and uh, President Biden told uh, told uh, Putin that one time that they only met back in 21, that if he were ever to get killed or die, that there would be some serious consequences for Russia. Yeah. And some of the others are saying now, Perhaps he should be him and uh, him being us, the U.S. and uh, Europe and stuff. I'd tap into those those frozen funds of Russia and direct them towards the Ukrainian war effort. Now, wouldn't that be a kick in the teeth? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I'm going to lean. Yeah. In, I'm going to lean into the the uh, the situation with with NATO and and Ukraine in the second hour. But no, Dave. I mean, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. But you know, a, an opposition leader like Navalny, um, you know, he opposed Putin. Which, in, it, I mean, I don't know. You don't know. But many people are because of where it is are speculating that you know he very potentially may have been murdered. Um, we aren't well, going to necessarily like know. The man was like Rasputin. Putin tried to kill him about two, three times, and he kept coming back. So yeah, no. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, anyway, let's uh, jump off in case you got others than that. But I just thought I'd touch base with those couple things. And uh, what you got planned? And, for, uh, happy to. Hey, what you got planned for the happy, weekend? 
<laughs> Is that getting your business? I a whole lot, just, you know, snoop and poop, you know, whatever. And if I find something for Monday or, or Sunday evening with you guys. And, uh, but, um, Anyway, hey, happy two weeks on the show already. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, Dave. Have a great weekend, and thanks for calling. Number 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views. We're going to hit a quick break, and when we come back, we have our guest. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. And welcome back. This is Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. And we have our wonderful friend and caller calling in this morning from the great state of Woodstock, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Natalie Ziemba. <laughs> Richard, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Well, I mean, we're so close to the Wisconsin border, I almost could be in another state. <laughs> <laughs> I know. i just playing. I'm just playing. Um, so you're doing great. Uh, obviously, it's been a, coming up on a year now. And, you know, the, I, I've got, like, I could ask you a bunch of different questions, but the, the, the starting general question is, how are you doing in this role? And, and again, many of you guys may know this, but others may not. Natalie Zamba last year ran for one of the uh, city council seats in Woodstock, Illinois, which is a northern suburb of the city of Chicago. Um, and she won. She did the, she did the work, y'all. She put the work in, and she campaigned like nobody's business. She was here on, on this station a couple different times. She definitely, definitely, definitely earned that seat. But I'd like to kind of know, you know, a little bit of an update on how you're doing in that role. I'm loving it, <laughs> which, which of course comes to no surprise to you and to my other friends who know how much I take action in local government is so important and it fits my personality. As you know, I'm very gregarious. People call me charismatic. I like to be with people. I'm extremely outgoing. I'm an extrovert. And so that plays well into this type of role because I like to be out and about with people. The constituents here in Woodstock, we are a community of about close to 26,000 people. And uh, we're growing. It's a community that people come to and visit and say, it's so charming. It's so historic. It's really lovely. And it is. But make no mistake, that also makes us one of the most desirable places to be. And we're also on a major uh, metro train line. We're on the UP Northwest line, the same line that would go through places like Barrington and Palatine and Arlington Heights. And so we are a desirable metropolitan area outside the city of Chicago. And we get lots of visitors here. You know, just a few weeks ago, we had Groundhog Day, so we had thousands of people uh, from outside Woodstock come and visit us. So having events like that, getting among the people, having fun with the business owners here in the community. You know, we're a place of small businesses, mom-and-pop shops. And I'd like to visit with them as well and say, how can we, as members of the council, help you? Right. How can I draw more visitors to you? Uh, if you are a resident here in Wood the city of Woodstock, what else would you like to see? You know, we survey our residents. We, we 
take that data very seriously and we comb through it. And that's kind of the important work. And one thing, you know, and I, I think I texted you about this. It was so interesting to hear you talk yesterday in your first hour and just your first, you know, 15 minutes of the show about, you know, you, you use the word purple a few times. Well, when you run for something like a city council race here in this community, you don't run as partisan. You don't pick a party. You just run. <laughs> and I rather enjoyed that because I got to talk about real kitchen table issues and issues that people in the community take very seriously and that matter to them. And when you make decisions at a local level like this, they really are seen and felt locally. We love to dig in and talk about national politics a lot, right? Of yep. course. But it's it's decisions at local levels that people really see. So I am enjoying it. You know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of reading. A lot of time goes into it. But I take it really seriously. And like you said, there were nine of us running for yeah. city council last Yeah, that's year. right. I forgot about I, that. Yeah. I took it seriously. I wanted to win. I didn't think of it as like, oh, this is a fun hobby. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't. No, I wanted to win. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just coming up on the end of my first year of a fourth year term, four year term. And I'm loving it. I really am. To steal the McDonald's tagline, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> how are the how are the businesses? Because I know one of the things that you spoke to during your campaign and when we've we've talked over the past uh, 10, 11 months, how are the businesses and business community, um, for lack of better words, taking to you? I think rather well. I did a very unscientific uh, poll. I walked into some of the local businesses after the Groundhog Day weekend had settled down, Mm -hmm. and I just popped in and I visited uh, several of our local businesses and I said, how was the weekend for you? What else could, could you know make it better? And they said, well, it was just a blend of everything perfect. The weather was wonderful. We had the, the great Tom Skilling. He was sort of our, you know, uh, our MC for the day and, and visited lots of places. But he did, did the prognostication on the square. So that drew people. The weather drew people. And it was just one of those things that, like, it all came together and they said it was just, it was wonderful. Everybody that they talked to said this is one of the friendliest places I've ever been. You know, they can't share the exact numbers. They can't give, you know, receipts or anything to us. But just anecdotally, they said it was just wonderful. It was, it was a great, joyful, happy weekend. And I think they appreciate that. They appreciate seeing my face. They know I will spend my money with them. I can make choices about where I want to shop and spend money. I talked about this a year ago when I was on on the family meeting. I, I believe in a circular local economy. And so if we spend our dollars here locally, uh, it goes back into our community, you know, as a multiplier. Right. So they appreciate seeing my face. And they said, you know what? You're the only one that's come in and actually asked us this question. And I said, well, it's important to me to know. And I can then bring your comments back to city staff. I can bring your comments back to the other members of council. 
And if there's criticism, I want to hear that too. So they appreciate that. They appreciate that I, I walk around and actually come and pay them a visit and sometimes spend a little money too. Yeah. Well, I mean, this literally, you're walking the walk and, um, and, and you're making sure that the people who helped to get you elected in a, in a, for lack of better words, purple or, or, or nonpartisan way as much as possible were, uh, are, are rewarded, if you will, with your presence and your ability yeah. to come back and see them and say, hey, and, and obviously, you know, uh, doing the doing the political thing, but coming from a genuine position in doing that, which is, hey, guys, I got you. I said I was going to run on these issues and I said I was going to be here to be your local support. And hey, it's me again. And, and I know that when you walk in the door, they that that, that cheerful, high energy uh, personality that you have is infectious and makes people feel good about the fact that they voted for you. They voted for a competent person that's honest, that wants to see things get done and things move forward and is proud of the community that you're a part of. So, I mean, you're, you're, um, I know you've, I know you, and you, you, you take the teasing that Eric, uh, Grant and I give you on, you should be one of our, you should be one of our next state senators, U.S. senators rather in, uh, in Illinois. Because you're a genuine person that takes to that 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 takes to this like you know quote unquote a fish to water, and I'm I'm really happy and proud of you for what you've been able to do. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. It really it really does. You know, when I was running, and I I believe this wholeheartedly. There's a couple of things that I said, and I I've taken this to heart, and I put it into action. I shut my mouth and I opened my ears and I said, I'm here to listen. What do you need from me? What do you need from your city representatives? And to actually encourage people to participate. The microphone is theirs. You know, when you take office, you say you want to hear from people. And I genuinely believe in that. If you're too afraid to step up to the microphone, to the podium, on a night when we meet at council, email me, send me a message. And if I have time in my schedule to sit down and meet with you for a cup of coffee, I will. Because I want to hear from people that, that live here and do business in this community. How do we make it better? And that's really it. Those are the two things, right? Open my ears and encourage people to participate and talk to their local officials. I think that's really, really critical. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that... that you delivered on that, and you're going to continue to to deliver on that. And what's exciting uh, for me as a supporter and a friend of yours is that, uh, like I said a moment ago, you're genuine in your effort. So I want to um, slightly pivot, but not radically pivot. Sure. Um, what's happening with some of the charity? Well, I've got two questions. So the first one's um, yeah. a real a real question. The other one's kind of a fun question. What's happening with some of the charitable volunteer work that you're doing? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, uh, two really important things. Well, now I'm involved in, in many more, but two really important things to me are Rotary. So I'm a, a Rotary member here in Woodstock. Rotary International is a group of, of people local in your community. Probably every community has a Rotary Club, right? Yeah. And But we're... we're we're also international. We're global. We have over, uh, you know, close to one and a half million members across the globe. And here, just in Woodstock, we've got over 40 people in our local Rotary. And we do things like 
you know, literacy programs. We volunteer during uh, the Christmas season, and we do something called Christmas Clearinghouse, where we collect toys and donations, and we deliver toys and gifts and meals to over uh, 1,200 families here in Woodstock and the Wonder Lake area. And doing volunteerism like that is really, really important. And I think giving back to your local community is essential. Then I'm also involved, as you know, as a volunteer advocate and ambassador for the Alzheimer's Association. And, you know, I had my biggest fundraising in 2023 for the Walk to End Alzheimer's, raised over $8,000 as an individual, really proud of that. And I'm also pushing local legislation right now here, just within the, the state of Illinois, in Springfield, there's really two huge pieces of legislation coming. One is to ensure that all FDA-approved Alzheimer's treatments are accessible to state employees through their health care plan. And if you think about how many people are on the state payroll, that's a very large number of people. So we're yep. pushing that legislation and also a bill to create a state registry of advanced directives for healthcare professionals to access an emergency situation. There are we, we love our healthcare professionals, right? They are on the front lines every day. Yep. But sometimes an emergency comes in and they're not trained with how to, to really care for or deal with a person with dementia or advanced Alzheimer's. And so pushing those two pieces of legislation with our state representatives and senators is really important. Then a third thing, I just want to get this in really quick because if I don't, I'll, I, I'll never hear the end of it. I am on the board of the McHenry County Democratic Women. And we had a wonderful little mixer event last night here locally at one of our wonderful local restaurants. And we had such a huge turnout. This is a group of people that, at our core, we are here to elect Democratic women to local office. And I'm really proud of us here in McHenry County. We have a huge event coming up Saturday, March 9th from 11 to 2, and I actually took Karen to this last year, and we had a great time. We met Jill Weinbank, but this year we have two amazing keynote speakers and guests. Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton will be there, and Representative Jan Schakowsky, two absolute powerhouses here in our state. And that is, again, McHenry County Democratic Women. Come out, have some fun. The event is called Trailblazers and Fundraisers. It's on March 9th from 11 to 2. Okay, so, so, so one, kind of the- no, no, no. I'm glad you got that in. I didn't want to cut you off. We're going we're gonna to go to a break, but I wanted to say this. Um, yeah, I want to get involved with that. I'd like to attend, so let's talk about that offline, how um, you know my show can help with the further driving of that message because that's important. It's super, super important. The, I mean, obviously, the, the Rotary, Alzheimer's, very important, but this is a local event, and we want to be able to lean into that. Natalie, let's break real quick. We'll come back, and then um, we'll, we'll wrap up. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back uh, with my great friend and uh, city council member up in uh, the state of Woodstock, Natalie Zamba. Hey, Natalie, thanks for holding during that break. <laughs> I'm going to start calling it the state of Woodstock because y'all, y'all is way up there, y'all, way up there. 
Um, Anne and I are going to have to, have to make a trip up. I, I'm, I'm committing her to something without asking her first. I'm always, uh, I, I listen. I, I have no shame. My strength comes from my clarity with regard to my communication. And, um, yeah, I'm the dude, I'm the strong dude that will get my wife's counsel on things first, even where we're going to go out to dinner on particular weekends. And Henry's nodding his head like, yep. So, uh, Ann and I will have to shoot up there and hang out with you and, and walk around, um, on a Saturday sometime in the, once the spring breaks and all that. Um, Natalie, I'm going to give you the last uh, couple of minutes, but the thing I wanted to say is I definitely want to come to that event on the 9th because that's going to be a busy weekend for me. Um, shout out to, to uh, Dems that weekend. We've got uh, Natalie's event uh, with McCain County Democratic Women on the 9th of March. Um, and then Sunday, I'll be the keynote speaker for the Kane County Democrats um, out in uh, St. Charles. So that's going to be a busy weekend for those of us who are pre- progressive Democrats pushing uh, our message to the people that we need and trying to reach out and touch some other folks. So, Natalie, real quick, um, uh, a quick wrap up. So this next, now that you're coming up on your anniversary, um, what's mm-hmm. what are some of your thoughts about this next six months, 12 months that you're going to be leaning into? Wow, we have some major pieces of uh, of ordinances and rezoning and expansion and growth coming to our community, as I indicated uh, a few minutes ago. So one thing we are preparing for here in our community, and this is really driven by IDOT, so the Illinois Department of Transportation is going to be working on construction on Route 47, which kind of, if you think about uh, the Jane Adams. I-90 coming west, Mm -hmm. you go through places like um, uh, Schaumburg and, you know, you pass Medieval Times and then you hit places like Barrington and then you keep coming west. Route 47, basically you exit at Huntley and you start heading north towards uh, Lake Geneva, basically. And as you're going north and uh, heading north on on 47, it goes down to just two lanes in each direction. So it's four Mm. lanes in Huntley, and then it narrows. And it goes through downtown Woodstock, basically, uh, until you reach north of uh, Route 120. Well, it's really tight. There's a lot of traffic. And IDOT decided they wanted to expand that to four lanes. And so we're going to be in some major... Are you... you, Is that... uh, I mean, I, mean, I, I hear you. And so my question is, are you guys in support of that? Well, when IDOT comes in and said they're doing something, you you, you don't say no, right? Okay. They're going to make their decision. <laughs> yeah. so, no, no, no. I, city, I, I mean, this has been go ahead, years in the making. Yeah. It, it's going to be years it's years in the making. And as you prepare for something like this, you have to get the businesses along that route ready yeah. and help them with here's entrances, here's what your driveway is going to be like, here's signage, and provide things like that for them. But once it is completed, that means ease of traffic flow. That means more and more visitors, you know, who can yeah. come in and out of town with, with ease and more transport of goods. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's so what's definitely the, a good so, thing. In my so what's the, what's the potential start date and what's the potential finish date of that project, if you know? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, again, we're dealing with, with the Illinois Department of Transportation, and so timelines can sometimes be fluid. Right. But I will say that there's a lot of markings already along the roadway, and there's already buildings that have come down. We've had to take down buildings 
uh, completely and, uh, you know, to make to make space for the expansion of the road. So that has already begun. Wow. Uh, construction on the roads have not, uh, but it's coming. It's coming, and we're going to be taking some street lights out and putting large two-lane roundabouts in as well. I was just going to ask you about that in terms of roundabouts. We were watching um, a show the other day about the what roundabouts can do to traffic flow in the United States, and, and uh, that, that's something I'll lean into in the future. Natalie, thank you, thank you, thank you for calling us and giving us some of the updates in Woodstock, the city of Woodstock, the state of Woodstock, the county of Woodstock, <laughs> all the above. And I'm, I'm super proud of you and excited for what you're doing and will continue to do in that community and the greater uh, causes that you're a part of, uh, starting with... Um, with the Rotary, Alzheimer's, and and the um, the uh, the county Dems, uh, women uh, of McHenry County. So, listen, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you bounce. Uh, we gotta move on to some other stuff. Natalie uh, Ziemba, City Council Woodstock, get behind her and the work that she's doing up there. You can find her. Uh, give um, give folks your uh, your handles in terms of how to reach you. Well, I am all over everything, just at Natalie Ziemba, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-Z-I-E-M-B-A. You can find me all over social media that way. Um, but also, yeah, I uh, I would encourage people, March 9th, come on out, come visit with me and some of the wonderful Dems out here in McHenry County. would love to see you. It's a great event, and it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. So that's on March 9th at Crystal Lake Country Club out awesome. here in McHenry County. Natalie, yeah. I'll be there. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you go, guys. Uh, Natalie Ziemba, she is getting it done. She's leaning into uh, local politics that are the baseline, the foundation of what we're doing uh, across the country. Uh, what she said about how she ran in terms of winning in that area uh, was about not being necessarily partisan, leaning into things that are important, but making sure that once she did get elected, that she was able to circle back and, and work with the folks in the community that helped to get her elected. Um, and she's, she's getting it done. So I'm, I'm happy and proud of her. Um, so listen, guys, I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that a lot of folks want to talk about, but I, I, uh, I want to play this quick clip before we go to the break. And then when we come back, we'll chat a little bit about it as part of my, um, uh, ongoing support for president Biden and his successes. So we've got a quick clip that, um, uh, that uh, Henry's going to play for us. I want to give you eight things this forgetful old man remembered to do. Yeah. Historic investments in clean energy and health care with inflation reduction. He brought COVID relief with a $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, the bipartisan infrastructure deal, the $52 billion CHIPS Act, uh, got the first over-the-counter birth control pill of, uh, approved, signed the first significant gun safety law in 30 years, that got the first black woman onto the Supreme Court. I just, student when, loan when he, student loan debt, listen, when Joe, Biden, when Joe Biden doesn't do his job, when you can point to something that he hasn't gotten done, I don't care that he didn't remember to tell you when his beloved son died. I don't care because that's none of your business when this man when this man missteps for the nation then we have a problem and as long as people say well he's too old he's too old well you should nikki what have you done what have you done really 
What can you point to? Because this man at 81 knew he was going to be 81 in four years and still said, I'm going to do this anyway. And he's done it. What are you going to do? Nothing. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. I wanted to um, give Whoopi a moment to speak to um, what the president has done. And I, I like, as, as Henry and I were saying during the break, she just made it plain in a very simple, easy way to understand. So when folks ask me, so Richard, you know, like, what do we do? This is what you do. You find the thing that the president has done. And I lean, I've been leaning into this, I believe, pretty much every show. To find the things that the president is doing that have benefited you. I normally ask the question at the top of the hour, at the beginning of the show. But today I wanted to lean, get, get, get right into some stuff because I knew we had Natalie coming on. But my point is, that's how you do it. We have to do that as progressives. That's on us. That's our calling. You have to be prepared to deal with a couple of different groups. The ones that are easy to get to, as I said before in my, my lifeguarding um, analogy. Get to the ones that you can get to quickest and easiest. And you get to those folks that might be on the fence, might be kind of not sure for whatever reason. It's their reason. But you provide them with those bullet points. You provide them with that information. Then you can start to reach to the other folks that are, are questioning what should they do and where, the, where, oh, uh, where should they put their energies. And that's the way you do it. You laundry list it, in my opinion. You bullet point it. It works. People remember that. And if we're prepared as progressives to do that with every encounter, then we're not sitting there trying to defend what President Biden has done or what Vice President Harris is doing. And the list goes on for many of our elected officials that are progressives. That's how we get it done. You know, so I know that some people were, were that had called in wanted to talk about Arizona. So I want to kind of circle back and lean back into that for a second. I think that the key with this Arizona race, as I said, Diane called in and said that she wasn't worried about it and that it, w- it would be fine. Well, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, and I'm saying she's wrong. I'm saying that we have to lean into these elections. Arizona is, is an important Senate seat. Um, the House seats there are equally important. We don't have the luxury to sit back and just let that one happen. I will do my best for uh, by early next week's shows, Monday or Tuesday, to have some information on supporting uh, Ruben Gallegos and his race. Uh, we can't let a non-governing uh, person like Kerry Lake get even close to that to winning that Senate seat. And obviously, Kirsten Cinema has decided to abdicate her responsibility and is leaning more toward the open-handed. Um, a position, and I, I say that sarcastically, of taking money um, from her donors rather than making sure that her constituents get what they need. So it's time for her to go. It's time to get behind Ruben Gallegos, and it's time to make sure that Carrie Lake is once again a loser in an election in the state of Arizona. So there you go. Um, so I had an opportunity to just kind of lean into and, re- and and look at some of my notes over the last week or so, and. Although I didn't talk that much about it, I do want to chat a little bit about it right now. And um, and ironically, as we talk about uh, Navalny dying in Russia, wh- one of the things that you guys heard in some of the clips that's been uh, on on both social media as well as in mainstream media is that 
Donald Trump wants, um, and and actually, you know, more Republicans are coming out and saying this, that they want members of NATO of certain countries to quote unquote pay their fair share. But you know, many of these Republicans take their dog on time when it comes to making sure that we have a budget in the United States so that we can pay our bills. So the irony or, or the hypocritical and stupidity, uh, 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 hypocrisy and the stupidity behind that is that you want to tell NATO countries to pay their bill or else Donald's going to allow or not, and this is what's so funny. He, he's not going to allow Putin to do anything. He's going to endorse what Putin's already decided he wants to do. And then give him, you know, a clear fairway, a clear landing area to uh, attack other countries or do whatever he wants to do. But you aren't paying your own bills. And, the, and, and Republicans in Congress that are behind this can't get out of the way or legislate in a way with the Dems to get bills passed so that we can pay our bills, to get a budget passed so that we can pay our bills. That's insane, and it's highly hypocritical. You know, this is what people don't understand. Um, Putin wants the United States to isolate itself, like we did in the 30s, you know, when with this creating this America first craziness. By isolating ourselves, by not paying, I'm sorry, by not... Um, reaching out and being a help to other countries throughout the world. I don't mean we need to run those other countries. I don't mean we, we need to be in charge of, of those other countries. But we do need to be there to be a support. And messing around with the relationships that we have within NATO is highly irresponsible. And so I want to break down something that a lot of people may already know. And if you don't, then hopefully this will be uh, important to you. The country that borders Russia right now is Poland, in terms of, I'm sorry, that borders um, Ukraine right now is Poland. To the, so if you look at the, the, the geography again, and I, and I hope you guys can stay with me on this, I'll try to make it interesting. If you look at the geography of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and then their next, their, their next step, potentially, if, they t- if, if Congress doesn't, if the Republicans don't, get behind the bills that are needed to pass the funding or to provide the funding for this effort. And, and Russia is able, able to take over Ukraine, which some of the military experts don't think that's going to be the case, but let's just stay on point. If Russia is able to do that, you guys, you got to realize the next step for Putin is Poland. Okay? Not too dissimilar to the moves that Hitler made. So, when Donald Trump and Republicans try to make or, or present these stupid ideas about how NATO or countries in NATO should, should go about paying their fair share, you got to understand, it's based on GDP of the country. And right now, from my research, Poland is paying somewhere in the range of 3.49% of their GDP to NATO. The... Average or the, the the sort of agreed to number is two percent of your GDP, and Poland's paying, you know, one and a half times more than that. And border countries or countries that border Russia, again, 
they know the importance of the safety. And those are countries that if they're not making the 2% of their GDP, which from what, again, Poland is, is above the norm, then those countries are potentially in, in the first ones, the first ones would be in danger if Putin is able to advance through Ukraine. So we have to make, when, when someone like Donald Trump and other Republicans say what they said this past week, we have to hold them accountable for statements like that because, first of all, the United States is paying, I think, 3.14%, if my numbers are correct there. Canada isn't paying its full 2% based on GDP. So what, what should happen? We're going to allow Putin to invade Canada, which is our uh, border neighbor as well as our, uh, our uh, continental neighbor, neighbor. So, you know, guys, it's, it's all, all I'm trying to say is there's, some, there's a little bit of data there about what the actual numbers are and what the contributions are. But at the same time, we've got to hold these guys responsible for making stupid statements. And we've got to hold them responsible in a way that's meaningful. So the New York Times and its, and its um, uh, comparison of is it what's worse, Donald Trump um, and its comments about NATO or Joe Biden's age. Well, I think Whoopi Goldberg kind of handled that one for us. Joe Biden's age has created uh, a lot of great, great items or, or has had a lot of great, great successes, which have led to a lot of great, great items for regular everyday folks, which is what we asked them to do. And as it relates to his age, the wisdom has been such a powerful thing to have because by, con- by contrast, there was no wisdom in the statement that Donald Trump made about NATO. And I think that the more we allow those types of statements to just go out there and not be challenged by all of us, um, the more danger that's going to cause. So, uh, you know, I've been waiting a little bit to kind of lean into that. You guys look at the numbers in terms of the share, the, the percentage of GDP that's being paid to, um, to NATO, if you will, by so many countries that are effectively paying their fair share, but not to the, to the extent that makes Donald Trump happy. And that's not even relevant to this conversation. What matters is that we are all working together as NATO uh, organizations and NATO countries to do the best we can to support the, the, the organization and its, its effort globally. So I, um, I wanted to give you guys that bit of information. I think that, um, you know, as we continue to move forward in this discussion about Biden's age and, and how I'm going to you know, lean into it. I hope that you guys understand that it's not so much about the age. It's more about his wisdom. But um, I know we got a couple of quick callers, guys. I, I did mean to um, to push the envelope too much on that. But um, Henry, do we have someone that we need to uh, to chat with? Uh, looks like we got John calling from Indiana. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah, let's take John's call. Hey, good, oh, hi, Richard. Hey, good morning, John. Sorry about that. Good morning. Well, that's okay. Hey, a um, couple things. One, I'm very upset to hear that uh, Miss Santita lost her job. And I know you can't comment about it, and it's uh, between her and management, but it's a damn shame that a progressive voice such as Santita Jackson's was stifled because of her political views. That, that, that's number one. I saw the same thing, by the way, in 1968. Um, when the Democrats were pro-Vietnam War, and then all of a sudden uh, 
uh, and all the young people were against it. And then um, we ended up losing the White House for five terms. We only got Jimmy Carter in those, uh, in those, during those five, but we had two Nixons, uh, one and a half Nixon, and uh, two Reagans and a Bush senior because of the Democratic war stance. And it was direct repercussions from uh, the Democratic Party's support of the Vietnam War. But anyway, I, I, uh, I digress. But regarding NATO, all I got to say is this. Russia went in. I watched this thing since 2014. There was an internal strife. It was, you could call it a civil war between the people of the Donbass, which were Russian-speaking Ukrainians, and the, and the nationalists out of Kiev. Um, I'm not going to call them neo-Nazis because uh, I know there are neo-Nazi elements in, in the Ukrainian government, but not all of them. But the fact of the matter is that went on for eight years, and like 14,000 people died. And uh, Russia finally had enough when this NATO... Uh, they said, well, Ukraine could go to NATO and they could bring nuclear weapons. They're not going to allow that. So, you know, we should, the hypocrites that America is, that we invaded Iraq, we invaded Afghanistan, and we're going to say something about Russia going into their own neighborhood and protecting Russian-speaking people in the Donbass? Are you kidding me? That's their business. NATO, we got to get out of this war mentality. Otherwise, we will lose the presidency again. I don't want. I do not want to have Trump in there. I, I do support Joe Biden, but his foreign policy is being run by neocons. We got to get them the hell out of here. We need to talk peace. We need to uh, talk peace uh, in the Palestine. We need to talk peace in Ukraine. And there's nobody talking peace. I, I guess I'm the only one. John, thank you so much for your call. I um, first and foremost, um, the the. the, the the response that I'll give you as quickly as I can before we run to break. Um, I'm thankful to be in this role and to continue the progressive voice uh, that's needed, uh, not just on this station and, and throughout the area, but as part of our movement you know, throughout the country. Um, I'm a progressive liberal Democrat. I'm a pragmatic thinking person, and I believe in that. And, and would I disagree with you as it relates to um, where we are with re- Ukraine? Um, you know, that's a lot to peel apart before I go to break. But, you know, we, we've got to be, listen, John, we have to be judicious in our um, international policy. We just do. That's across the board. Whether we, you know, however we look at our invasions of, uh, of various countries and our support of what other countries do, we have to be judicious about that. Um, as it relates to ge- geography, though, with regard to Russia and Ukraine, um the the move by by Vladimir Putin, I will just put it this way. If we don't do the work to keep the administration in place that we have in place, um, that situation will get worse. And that's not just coming from Democrats in the United States. That's coming from other global leaders that don't give a darn about our politics in the United States. They're concerned about what's happening in uh, that part of Europe. So I'm not taking the position that the Democrats are right or the Republicans are right or wrong on either of this, on either side of this. What I'm saying is, first and foremost, we do have to be judicious in the use of our power and influence. We, but we also have to listen to what's happening from people that are there that understand the, the risk involved in having Russia advance through Ukraine. You realize, John, and I'm with you on this, but you realize Russia is not going to stop with Ukraine. And anybody. That's a, that's a, that's a lie, uh, Richard. Richard. Let me finish, me. John. I'm a Polish John, deceit. John, I didn't interrupt you. I will. Okay. I tell people this all the time. I let people talk. 
So I'm going to finish what I was saying. We have to be open-minded about the fact that it's already been, yes, he wants to, meaning Putin, take back an area. But that in and of itself is a problem, to take back an area that became sovereign. You don't take back an area that's sovereign. You, that, that's just, you just don't do that. That's an invasion. And the advancement, anybody that wants to, that wants to sit on this and say that, that, that the next step is, the, is further advancement, I, I, I just, I can hear it, but I can't necessarily factually agree with it. So, John, sit tight. We're going to go to a break, and then we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit longer. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. And we're back. Uh, this is Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. So this is what so often happens when, when we get into a, a, a hot topic uh, the lines light up, and that's what they did. Uh, let's bring John back on real quick, uh, Henry. So listen, John, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up and be quick. Um, yeah. I think that the – listen, I don't know and you don't know for a fact that the, uh, Putin will will go further. We don't know that, okay? Um, you, so let, let me finish. You don't know it, and I don't know it. What we what we know or what we hear is probably a better way of putting it. Is that that is the risk that's there, and to to, to turn a blind eye and say that's not the risk that's there, I think that's irresponsible. Now we can get into this is a, this is a multi hours long conversation about. I understand. So I'm, so so I'm I'm just going to say this so that I can. Uh, grab a couple other folks that have. Um, I got you. Uh, to have, but there's no. Go ahead, Richard. There, there is no evidence of that. It's a, it, it, it's a standard, equal. Uh, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. We, NATO was created because of the uh, of communism expansion. That they are not communists. So now. We, this is an ethnic fight between ethnic Ukrainians and ethnic Russians, which all, it's, like, it's like Southerners and Northerners in the United States. This is, this is an internal strife. And, um, yeah, the di- but the no- difference is, but the difference in that, when I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a big it's a like thing, because the difference is neither the North or the Southern, the Northern or the Southern conversation or thought process in the United States is invading the other with armament. You know, we're we're a sovereign nation that's not going to invade up on itself. But we, but we did. But, but, the, the North did invade the South. Okay. Well, I mean. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, John. Listen, I'm gonna grab other quick callers because I'm, I, at some point I have to pull the plug. John, thanks for calling in. Give us a call back. We'll talk about this more. Okay. Thank you. All right, John. Bye. Bye. All right. Let's go to Brian. Uh, we got a. We've got some strong opinions about what's happening um, in Russia. Brian, what's happening? Welcome to Choose Views. Uh, good morning. Uh, I uh, checked in with uh, you and Eric on the family meeting uh, last uh, Sunday. Yep. Uh, I tried to uh, been listening uh, that show probably since early 2021 as much as I could. Great, thank uh, you. And, and uh, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, what, what uh, uh, John just said uh, that the, the North invaded the South was a ludicrous idea there. Uh, but uh, the other point he was making earlier, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I don't see. Uh, uh, why uh, uh, you or anybody else thinks that uh, the Russian Republic, uh, when they cannot uh, 
take uh, uh, care of uh, Ukraine is uh, any, from a historical uh, point of view, uh, is in no position to take Eastern, Central, or Western Europe at all, and why uh, we should be uh, using uh, the government, using more taxpayer money uh, to uh, continued funding uh, armaments, uh, uh, to uh, Ukraine, uh, Israel, or Taiwan, uh, that uh, $95 billion should all be used within the U.S. for the poor, I believe, and uh, climate change, etc. So, great point, uh, Brian, as it relates to funding. Um, and I've said this before. This is a, this is, yes, it's a complicated issue, but I'm confident to lean into this. Um, so, will would Russia be, be capable of going further? We don't know the answer to that. And I and I that I do believe that we have to make sure that they don't. And so part of that process is to support Ukraine in their effort to the best of our ability. And then, yes, it's a budget driven question or conversation. So let me circle back to something that um, that you said at the beginning of your, your comments. Um, it, if we if we look at how the budgeting is actually uh, uh, taking place with that, uh, we're not putting soldiers on the ground. We're not sending money to Ukraine per se. Uh, it's it's really in terms of the armament. It's going to replace the older weapons that we're sending well, to Ukraine. If I, if I, if, in part, excuse me, if I if I might, uh, if uh, the uh, Russian Republic uh, were uh, uh, sending uh, weaponry to Canada or Mexico, uh, the U.S. would respond um, certainly certain uh, with nuclear uh, reaction. Uh, I pray that that kind of thing doesn't take place. Uh, we wouldn't be having that this conversation if it did. Uh, and uh, I think uh, we need to uh, look back at uh, history, uh, invasions of Russia, what they've learned. I don't think they're in any position, uh, given they were invaded by Napoleon and then uh, in World War One, uh, then the 1920s and. Uh, uh, World War II, uh, I think they're well aware uh, over there uh, historically that, uh, and, they're, and they're in no position to uh, invade the rest of Europe, and I don't think we should fund it. If the situation were reversed, it would uh, certainly lead to a nuclear conflagration, I believe. Well, I think that, and heading on under territory. Well, and that gets back into the, a little bit of the, you know, the, the Bay of Pigs uh, scenario in terms of how close nukes are to the U.S. border and the U.S. continent. I'm sorry, to the North American continent. I'm with you on that. And, and I don't pretend to be an expert on what's what's happening there as it relates to Putin's ability to be further further aggressive or more more additionally aggressive, maybe a better way of putting it. What I do know is from a, from a funding standpoint, I, and this is where I can agree with you, um, the budget that, not the budget, but the money that we're spending there has to be very, 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 uh, or not spending there, but spending on, on supporting Ukraine has to be done with the, with the most, um, the highest amount of discretion. And, and then the money, and then the money's the, the comparative analysis of the money could go to things here in the United States. Well, that's a conversation we've been having all, far before this this crisis in, in Ukraine. So, um, can I make one more quick point? Sure, go ahead. I, let me go. Uh, I think uh, we need to uh, keep in mind uh, that uh, in uh, I remember reading in the newspapers in the summer of two thousand seven, uh, George W. Bush. Uh, uh, placed, uh, 
or wanted the place. I don't know if it actually occurred, but there were angry words exchanged between uh, Condoleezza Rice and the uh, uh, Russian uh, ambassador, whoever that was at the time, about uh, placing uh, missile defense shields in uh, the Czech Republic and in Poland. Uh, it was considered provocative, and uh, uh, one doesn't want to poke a stick at another nuclear power. I pray uh, uh, whomever one prays to, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, the universe, that we don't have a nuclear war. Yeah, well, listen, um, the, the history the, the history is there to learn about the future, to, my, the, to the way that I look at it. So I think that we've got to do that that we've got to look at the history to some extent, but we also have to deal with the reality that, uh, I, you know, you can't sleep on the fact that, that Russia could go forward. Listen, uh, Brian, we got to well, grab I'm a- not a fan of Putin. I'm not a but, fan of Putin uh, on either. On the other hand, uh, uh, I think uh, we uh, have to be uh, very uh, uh, cautious. We have to uh, be in- cautious, Brian, in terms of the, the talking points that are coming from Russia. That's the thing we also have to be very cautious of. And I understand that people have a position that there's that they, were, they invaded Ukraine because of nukes on the border and, and, and all. I get all that. I'm just not from my position. I'm not willing to take the risk that further things could happen. So, Brian, listen, we got to jump to another caller. Thanks for calling. Choose views. And we will. Um, we'll uh, let's see. We got to get, uh, get Gregory real quick. Gregory, you there? Hey, Good welcome morning. to Choose Views. Yes, Good morning. Sir. Yes, sir. I attended the European Nuclear Disarmament Conference in March of 1983 when I took a year off from college because my college was involved, manages the laboratories. My alma mater manages the laboratories that designed the warheads for the Department of Energy down at the Los Alamos Nuclear Labs in New Mexico. And the reason why millions upon millions of people rose up to call for nuclear disarmament in Europe and in the United States and around the world is because the Reagan administration and NATO wanted to put Pershing II missiles in Germany, which is unfair to Russia because they don't have any intermediate range missiles in Canada or Cuba. The whole Cuban missile crisis, which I remember when I was two years and ten and a half months old, when my grandfather told me to shut up so he could watch what was happening <laughs> on the TV. I have to shut up to remember for life. Uh, The world was on the brink of nuclear war. He fought with the French in in World War II because troops, African-American troops had to serve under the French because the American troops were segregated uh, at the time. And uh, he was watching the little grainy black and white chips on the little black and white TV in Detroit where they would take care of me during the summers. And... I was a toddler. I wasn't even in school yet. And uh, I was saying, what is that? What is it? <laughs> he raised his foot up and slammed, shut, slammed, shut up, Gregory. Slammed his foot down on the ground. And I, my grandmother had me come sit down by her legs on the couch and sit down on the floor by the couch where they were watching it. So 21 years, 21, let me see, 62, 21 years later, I attended the European Nuclear Disarmament Conference as an anti-nuclear mm-hmm. weapons activist because of the Pershing two missiles. The reason why uh, uh, they, Khrushchev put the missiles in, in Cuba is because Kennedy and NATO had put them in Turkey. And the declassified papers revealed that the agreement was that they would take them, they would take them out of Cuba first so Kennedy could save face and that we would agree to take our missiles 
missiles out of Turkey. This is the third time that we're threatening to put nuclear missiles close to Russia, and that's what would happen possibly if Ukraine joined NATO. And we're the age of hypersonic nuclear missiles now. They're five, six minutes from northeast Ukraine to Moscow. It's 300 miles. And they don't have any hypersonic nuclear missiles that they're planning on putting in Canada or, or, or Cuba. So it's an imbalance of power. When the best before the war happened, he had a big press conference and the young British journalists, they're beautiful English, said, what, what, what should we understand? What's the main reason? You, you, what, you so, what is Russia so concerned about? And that was a terrible British accent. But he said, he threw up his hands, exasperated, went to sit back down in his chair. He said, I feel like we're in separate universes. With you, if you join, if Ukraine joins NATO after they said they weren't going to expand east of East Germany, after Gorbachev and Reagan made the agreement to get rid of the Persian two intermediate range missiles, to get down, bring down the Iron Curtain, open up Europe. And, and, and get away from this whole Cold War thing. The agreement is that, east, that NATO would not expand one inch east of East Germany. In 35 years, in five separate waves, they're right up on the doorstep of Russia. And in Ukraine, it would be three, you know, 300 miles, five, six minutes, and it would, it would give the, the NATO and the West and the Americans the, the tempting possibility or the threat of a decapitating first strike when the Congress is in session, when the Duma is in session so Gregory. In, in Moscow. So, so Gregory, I'm so gonna. Can, can I'm, you so, see that? so Gregory, I'm gonna make you. Can you see that? I'm gonna make you take a deep breath, because okay, I, I'm finished. <laughs> can I, you I, see I, that? I, well, I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to get that out because it's kind of like Tommy on the family meeting. You got to get it out here before you break windows. I, I get that, um, but and thank All you right. and thank you for the thank you for the call, Gregory. Um, you know, I want I want you know people to understand. You, we can't sleep. All of that conversation comes back to one thing and we're going to hit a quick break you can't sleep on where what, what Russia is capable of doing and whether you're for or against where our support of ukraine they got invaded and if it's uh, you know a lot of people don't want to talk about either the, the, the fact that um certain treaties were broken from russia as well so we got to hit this break. I don't want to uh, blow, blow too far by it. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys, listen, I uh, during the break, uh, Henry said spicy. And he wasn't talking about his meal. He's talking about the conversation. Yes, it is. It should be. I'm not going to shy away from it. There should be the, the, the Gregory's and the Johns of the world and the, and the Bryans that call in that have an opposing thought about where, where we are and what we should be supporting. You're darn right. Absolutely. Your opinions matter. And that's why I don't cut people off until we have to go to a break. <laughs> because I want you to be heard. Part of what I said, and I'm going to stick to this. I want this show, and it will be, trust me, to be a show about letting people get it out because that's part of the problem with how we don't, are not communicating. And I am leaning in the direction of more uh, uh, being very judicious with how we fund things that happen outside of the U.S. borders. I've said that before and I'll say it again. And the truth is, I mean, and that, that statement is true as it relates to what's going on in, in Ukraine. Uh, let's grab this call uh, from Donna real quick if we can, Henry. Hey, Donna, welcome to Choose Views. Hi, Richard. I just want to make one comment. 
as far as the Russia-Ukraine, if I've got my facts right, I believe we signed the, I believe it was called the Moscow Accord, mm-hmm. where in order, in order to get rid of the Musk missiles that Russia did have in Ukraine, and Ukraine did not want to get rid of missiles, that we told them if we made that area missile-free, Russia came in, they took their missiles out of Ukraine, we told Ukraine, in other words, we gave our word that should they ever be invaded by Russia, we would back them up. Mm-hmm. So we left them naked as far as protection against Russia, saying that if ever they were invaded, we would be there for them. So we talked them into giving up their weapons. Now what's happened with what they were afraid of, Russia comes in, and America is either going to stand by its word and go in and protect them, as we said they would, or we're just going to say, no, we're not going to bother going in. And once again, people start to question whether or not we stand behind what we say. Yeah. I hate to use words that sound like, you know, we're head faking. It's a complicated issue. But at the same time, I mean, two things, Donna, and thank you for uh, for bringing that uh, information to us. Yes, the accords were breached, and we have to stand behind. I mean, I, when that happened, I first thought, ooh, where is this going to lead us down the road? That we can we uh, got Ukraine to kind of walk away from, from that. I, I felt like eh, that, that could come back and bite us in the behind, and it kind of has. So now we got to step yeah. up. So, you know, and Donna, listen, I'm going to jump and grab a couple other quick callers. Thank you, Donna, for calling in and bringing that additional information. Uh, and please call us back. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where and what we've got a responsibility to do. I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, we can just willy nilly keep funding. We've got to reach a point. And it's this this is that this is that di- um, sort of difficult, hard navigation that we've got to have. And. I don't think the, the the point I made when I started this topic, I need to circle back because I don't want to lose my, my ground on this. And I know we got some callers and we're coming to the end of the show. I made a point about NATO funding. Okay. I'm going to pull a funny Willis on y'all. I made a point about NATO funding and Trump's irresponsible statement about what he would allow Russia to do to countries that don't, pay their fair share. Let me be perfectly clear. That is what I said. I know it tipped a lot of people off as it relates to where we should be with, with Russia and funding and further invading going through Ukraine into Poland. I got you. What I said, to be clear, to give you guys a nice send-off for the weekend, is that Trump's irresponsibility would put Russia in a position to willy-nilly, endorsed by the U.S. president, to, by us pulling out of NATO... And of other countries not paying their fair share, that he would sign off on Russia further invading other countries. So y'all need to stay in your lane on this respectfully. That part right there, nobody has commented on that's called in. Everybody's been upset about the fact that I'm saying we should support Ukraine and, and, and Putin would go further into Poland. But nobody commented on the fact that what Trump said was irresponsible and without wisdom. We need someone with wisdom in the White House and not going to say something that stupid and arcane. All right, I'm going to close that out. Uh, Let's see, real quickly, let's grab Paul uh, calling about Trump trial in Georgia. Real quick, Paul, what's happening? Hey, Richard. Yeah, speaking of Fonnie Willis, ain't it the American justice system where a 
black woman will be in court to account for the details of her love interest before a big fat white dude will account <laughs> for any of his 91 criminal indictments. That's yep. what happened yesterday. Yes, it is. I yep. mean, That's exactly- I mean, as a person of color, as all people, I was just regular common middle class people where this big fat white dude says, if they can do this to me, they can do it to you. Oh, no, they, none of us would be said, I'm immune, I'm immune. And, and say, that uh, we don't want a speedy trial. We want to put it off. And then <laughs> we would be in court having an account for every little thing. A black woman will be in court to have to account for her love interest before a big, fat, white dude will have to account for any of 91 criminal indictments. That's, That's right. What look, how, look how fast that went. Look how quickly that went to, quote, trial or, or, or testimony. It, it was it, inside of two weeks. No, so, and yeah, and, and and it's irrelevant, completely irrelevant. Yeah, because the did you hear what I said? Um, and and Paul, I'm going to bounce real quick. Thank you for calling in, Paul. Thanks for bringing the the message as you as you always do. Um, so we got one last caller. I think it's Ted, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Ted, what's happening? Yeah, Richard. Hey, good morning. Good yeah, morning. I just wanted first of all. Hey, just the sheer amount of variety of calls you you are getting says what a great job you're doing. I'm really enjoying it. Everybody calling in, different people you hear every day. Nice work, my Thank man. Thank you. Thank you. And so I wanted to ask you to lean into this, if you would. What's that? I, I wake up this morning. I open my front door, and there's three little birds. And you know what they say to me? What? Every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> Come on, Bob Marley. <laughs> I love you, Richard. Keep up the great work. Have a great weekend. Thank you, man. Ted. I appreciate that. Um, that was really kind of him. And, you know, I, again, I take this role on and I'm thankful and proud to be in this role. Um, and I will not uh, just kind of run over over something that was said earlier because it's important. Listen, guys, you know, we've got we've got a tremendous amount of work to do. And anybody that's not up for the task, you need to sit the hell down. We got work to do and we're going to have differing opinions on a subject matter that we we want I, I look at it like this our outcome we want is the same our methodology eric grant talks about this often our methodologies may be different but i'm focused on us having the same outcome pushing pulling at the same time in the same doggone direction i'm not trying to persuade you to think differently on what's happening in ukraine I am trying to help you understand that we have to we have to work in solidarity. We have to work and move in the same direction, um, and that's not a um, pie in the sky view of this. So I want to give some shout outs before we uh, end today's show to uh, St. Shero, Debbie, uh, Optimus P, Billy Joe, uh, uh, Angela, uh, Larry, Maria, Tracy, Small Note, Barbara, all you guys, David. I just have to thank you so much for tuning in and listening and, and hitting me up on, on, uh, on social media. That's greatly appreciated. I don't, you can't do a show like this without my man, Henry, uh, keeping us on the rails and you can't do a show like this without the callers that call in to share your thoughts. My goal is to have big arms. I got an 84 inch wingspan. I want to include you guys as much as I can and push back with each other so that we move things forward. We keep sharpening that, you know, iron sharpens iron as the phrase goes. And we as progressives are built in of iron. 
We have to sharpen each other. That's our responsibility. Okay. So call into this show. Tell me what you got to say about things. I'm going to listen because I want you to be able to get it out here. It's been great hanging with you guys the second week of Choose Views. Uh, Everybody have a safe weekend and uh, we will see you next Monday.